summer so far. It really feels like it's been a while since we met. So I look forward to seeing some of you guys this Friday. And here is my sharing from Galatians 4. So one theme that I saw today in this chapter is Paul's anguish that the members of the Galatians church have turned back to a certain way of life that they used to live before they had received Christ. In verse 9, I think this summed up um, kind of Paul's sentiments in this chapter. He says, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? I thought Paul uses really strong words, but this is how he sees the kind of transformation that had happened in the Galatians' lives. Before the principles by which they lived, he calls them weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. But what had happened? He says we have come to know God. We know who God is, the creator of the world, the one who is to be Lord over our lives, the one who gave Christ as a sacrifice to redeem us. And then he goes on to say, or rather to be known by God. This is the more amazing thing. And these two things, the fact that we know who God is and the fact that we have been known by God, it's supposed to transform us and renew our identity so that we are able to live not according to the weak and worthless principles, elementary, the weak and worthless principles of the world, but in a very different way. There are two things that I wanted to share about uh, this point that Paul makes again and again in this chapter. I think one thing was, um, I really saw Paul's heart in this chapter. Something is going very wrong in this church. Even though they have received the gospel and they understood God's grace, it seems like they weren't living based on uh, this grace. And instead, they were kind of going back to the old ways of living. And it seems like the old way has to do with something about the law, wanting to use the law to make themselves righteous. Paul calls this weak and worthless and very elementary. Whereas the new way of relating to God has to do with verse 28, the way of Isaac becoming children of promise. So I know there's a lot of phrases here that it's kind of hard to like apply it to ourselves directly. So one thing I really saw in this chapter was Paul's heart. He's the one who had taught them the gospel and he saw them receiving the gospel in faith. And yet now he's hearing that they have resorted back to old ways where they use the law to justify themselves. Or perhaps they use um, abiding by the law to make themselves more righteous, think they're better than others. But as Paul sees problems in the church, rather than saying, oh, this is too much, or I don't want to deal with you guys, I want to close off his heart and say, oh gosh, like it was all worthless. And you see a lot of anguishing. I was really struck by what he says in verse 19. He says, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What would it take for us to have this kind of care for each other? even when we see something ugly in each other. He must have really poured out his heart to love this church. And it's not just like a humanistic kind of love, you know, because he says, I want to see Christ formed in you. It's with this kind of elevated love where he wants to see these men and women be images of God in their church and be an example. And he must have poured out his heart to teach them the gospel, to see them receive it. Therefore, he's invested in them. And as he hears that they have strayed far from the gospel truth, um, he's in anguish. A lot of times for myself, when there's something wrong in my relationships or there's some big issue that I feel really perplexed by, I don't want to really move towards it. It's uncomfortable, burdensome, it's troubling. And I think the natural response is, Ugh, like, I want to avoid it. Paul shows something very different, you know, and I think he shows us what it means to have a shepherd's heart, what it means to have a father's heart. It's having this kind of grief and desire to move towards when you see a problem. I thought about how as we live Christian lives, um, there's going to be a lot of issues that come up. And I think part of it is holiness is really hard to attain. Trying to be God's people together and live out kind of these values that are so different from this world, it's really difficult. But when we see each other going the wrong way, you know, what do we do? Hopefully we can respond like Paul where we've invested in one another where we've paid costs to really bring the gospel to each other and we have this kind of care for one another so that even though we're perplexed and the 
solution doesn't seem so easy, we're willing to move towards one another. We want to be present with each other so that through our tone and through our words and through our relational connection, we're able to bring each other back to God's word and to God's truth. I think the second thing that really struck me about this passage was what Paul knew about the gospel and what it meant. He says in verse 6 and 7, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So what is our new identity? No longer a slave, but a son. And this is Paul's view of the people. When we receive Christ, there's this amazing transformation. You know, adoption is this amazing thing. It's an identity being forged through a promise. The relationship that we get through adoption, you know, becoming a son, a daughter, it's something biological. It just is because you have been given birth by. But adoption is very different. You become this permanent relationship simply because of a promise, because of a contract. And Paul is saying this is what has happened when we received Christ. God gave us a spirit that makes it so that we have been birthed by him and we are a son and a daughter. And if we are a son and a daughter, then it completely transforms our identity in this world. Paul is saying before we became adopted, our identity in this world, we were slaves. We were slaves to the world's values. And they were not good values. They were weak, worthless, and elementary principles. It was basically you perform to earn your identity. But God has given us something richer, something that was given out of a promise. So I just wanted to end on this point. Later on, Paul goes through the whole story of Isaac and Abraham and how this child was given by promise, even though physically Sarah should not have been able to have a child. The scripture says, it's not the slave woman and her child that inherits, but it is the child of this free woman who received the child as a gift, as a promise, that's gonna inherit. And this is the amazing truth that Paul wants on the people to grapple with. You know, we have become heirs. We have gained an inheritance simply because of God's promise and his love and heart for us. And therefore, what kind of people ought we to be? Not going back to our performance-driven ways, needing to prove ourselves by claiming our own righteousness, but people who are free. And I think in chapter five, he's gonna go through, so what does this mean? You know, having this kind of freedom, what does this mean about the way we ought to live? So yeah, let's really dwell upon this truth. We have become children because of a promise. What kind of freedom and rest ought this to bring to each of us so that we can lean into this truth and become men and women who are filled with love for God and love for others. That is my sharing for today. All right, have a nice day.